Hello, everyone, and welcome to Myth in the Mojave, a half hour of storytelling and conversation about mythology and why it's important to our lives today. I'm your personal mythologist, Catherine Savela. I live in Joshua Tree, and I'm pleased to bring this program to the high desert and beyond here on Radio Free Joshua Tree. So today we're going to go back to the Sumerians and find out what happens to Demuzi, Anana's husband. Let me remind you of where we are in the story. The goddess Anana has been rescued from the underworld by Anki's little creatures, and Anki is the god of wisdom. Their empathy for Rishkagal, Anana's sister and queen of the underworld, convinced that dark goddess to let Anana, the goddess of love and light, off the hook. Literally off the hook, as you might recall. But nobody can leave the underworld unmarked. So the rules are being bent a little bit here for Anana because she was reborn in the underworld. But for her to leave, somebody else has to come back and take her place. And it needs to be somebody who is near and dear to her. So who does she choose? She chooses her husband, Demuzi. When Anana and her flock of underworld demons called Gala reach the walls of Uruk, they find King Demuzi sitting on his magnificent throne under the fragrant apple trees. And Demuzi's wearing his crown and his other symbols of authority. And when he sees his wife, Anana, who has been gone now for several days, he doesn't get up to greet her or show any signs of grief or relief. He merely looks at her and says, well, you know, where have you been? So Anana points her finger at her husband, partner in all things, and she turns to the demons and says, take him. Take Demuzi away in my place. The demons fall on him. They start beating him. He's terrified. He starts wailing and crying. And then he prays to Utu, the god of justice, and asks to be given snake hands and snake feet so that he can slip away. And Utu answers this prayer and Demuzi escapes. But that is not the end of the story. Now, the question I'm asking myself and that we're going to address here is, why does Anana choose Demuzi? It seems like kind of a nasty thing to do, don't you think, to your spouse, (laughs) to send him down to the underworld. So I invite you to relax now and listen to the story. And if a particular detail or moment catches your attention, take note of that, because this is useful information for you about where these themes are working in your life right now. Utu, the god of justice, turns to Muzi's hands and feet into the hands and feet of a snake. And terrified, he slips away and manages to escape from the gala. His heart was filled with tears, and he slithered and then ran back to his home on the step and stumbled across the grasslands crying. Oh, frogs in the river, he said. Oh, crabs in the river, weep for me. If something happens to me, if I disappear, please tell my mother. 
My mother will mourn for me. My sister will mourn for me. Exhausted, Demuzi lay down among the rushes to sleep, and then he had a dream. And this is the way it works, isn't it? At the times of our greatest turmoil, we're sometimes visited by that great dream, the dream that tells us what's really happening. Demuzi dreamt, and when he woke up, he shook his head, rubbed his eyes, and began to tremble. He called out for his sister. Bring me my wise woman, he said. Bring me my little sister, Gishtanana. My sister, the scribe who knows many songs and who can interpret dreams. Gishtanana will tell me the meaning of this dream. So Gishtanana came to her brother, Demuzi, and he told her the dream. He said, I had a dream, my sister, and I must tell you. Rushes grow thick about me, and a single reed trembles alone. A double growing reed bends in the wind, and the first one is removed, and then the other. Next I see water poured on my hearth. My churn is broken. My cup falls from its peg. My shepherd crook disappears. An eagle catches a lamb. A falcon catches a sparrow. My sister, your goats drag their lapis beards in the dirt. No milk is poured. The cup lies shattered. The sheepfold is given to the wind. Gishtanana said, My brother, don't tell me such a dream. Demuzi, I don't want to hear this dream. The rushes that grow about you are the gala, the demons who will surround you. The single reed is our mother who grieves for you. The double reed is you and me, for we will share the same fate. You are the lamb, Demuzi, and the sparrow. You will die, and your house will be no more. When Gishtanana finished speaking, Demuzi heard a sound. Quick, sister, he cried. Run up to the top of that hill, quickly, quickly, and tell me who is coming. Gishtanana and a friend of Demuzi's ran up to the top of the hill. They saw the gala coming. The friend cried back to Demuzi, It's the gala! It's the gala! It's the big gala and the small gala with thongs to bind you! Then they ran back down the hill to Demuzi. Gishtanana was frantic for her brother's safety and told him to hide. Demuzi said, I will hide in the low plants. I'll hide in the tall grass. I'll hide in the ditches in a railing on the edge of the steppe. Don't tell anyone. Gishtanana and the friend swore themselves to secrecy. May your black dogs, your black sheep herding dogs, tear us to bits if we betray you, they swore. Then they all ran away in separate directions. Now the gala reached the crest of the hill, and they looked all around out across the grasslands and don't see anybody. Nothing is moving. Where shall they look then? The small gala say to the large gala, Demuzi must be very uneasy. He must be very afraid (laughs) with us chasing him. And a man in that state of mind will not be 
at a friend's house, and he will not be with his mother for fear that he bring danger down on her. I think we should look for Demuzi at his sister Gishtanana's house. So the Gala went to Gishtanana's house and asked her where they could find Demuzi, but she will not speak to them. They offer her the water gift, and you remember this water gift, the water of life. Very important gift. They offer her the water gift, but she remains silent. Then they offer her the grain gift. This is the grain of life. But she still doesn't say anything. She doesn't make even a sound. So now the Gala threaten Gishtanana. They press up close to her and make ugly noises. They kind of pinch her and touch her. But she still is silent. So then they torture her. They pour pitch into her vulva. But Gishtanana still refuses to make a sound. She will not betray her brother. At last, the small gala turn again to the large gala and say, okay, forget it. Who ever heard of a sister revealing her brother's hiding place? Let's go to see Demuzi's friend. The gala then come to the house of Demuzi's friend, and they offer him the water gift, and he accepts it. And then they offer him the grain gift, and he accepts that too. So now they ask him where they can find Demuzi, and he tells them, Ah, Demuzi, Demuzi hid among the low plants. The Gala go off and look among the low plants, but they don't find Demuzi. They return to the friend. You're going to need to tell us more, they say. And the friend replies, Well, uh, Demuzi is among the tall grasses. And the Gala leave, and they go and search among the tall grasses, but they still don't find Demuzi. So the demons go back once again to the front. And they've given gifts, you see. So now they're starting to get kind of annoyed, and he says, Okay, okay, Demuzi might, uh, he might be in the ditches in Areli. And the Gala go to that place, and they find Demuzi. When the Gala grab him, Demuzi curses his friend, some friend, right, and says, Trouble come on to you, to your family and to your children. And he fights and he fights and he fights the demons, but these are his demons. You remember when Anana came with the Gala? I said, We all have our own personal demons and we cannot escape them, and these are Demuzis. He fights and he tries to get away and he can't and once again he's crying and he's terrified and once again he prays to Utu, the god of justice. Utu, Utu, Demuzi cries, remember me, Demuzi? I am your brother-in-law. I brought gifts to your house and I treated your mother as if she were my own. I am the husband of your sister. I danced on the holy knees the holy knees of Anana. Please turn my hands into gazelle hands. Turn my feet into gazelle feet so I can get away. And once again, 
Utu grants Dumuzi's prayers. And he turns his hands into gazelle hands, and he turns his feet into gazelle feet. And the shepherd king, Dumuzi, escapes from the gala, from the demons, once again. So Dumuzi runs across the steppe. And, you know, these are the high, dry grasslands. Remember, he's a shepherd. She run, he runs across the steppe until he gets to the house of the old woman called Belili. And he decides to hide there and get something to eat and drink. He's exhausted from his efforts of trying to get away from the demons. So when he gets to old Belili's house, he knocks on the door. And when she answers, he says, I am no ordinary mortal. I am Dumuzi, the husband of Anana. So please pour out some water for me to drink and sprinkle some flour for me to eat. And old Belili does this for him. But while he's eating and drinking, she looks up out and looks out of her window and she sees what looks like serious trouble. Off in the distance, there's a dark cloud, which is a flapping flurry of demons that are heading, alas, for her house. So she glances over at Dumuzi, he's busy with his food and drink, and she slips out of the back door without saying a word. And the Gala, who are coming closer, see her leave, and they come and enter the house. Well, Dumuzi escapes and runs and runs and runs, with the Gala not far behind him, and he runs to his sister, Gishtanana's sheepfold, and crouches down among the animals. Now, remember, he's a shepherd, so Dumuzi has returned metaphorically to his place of origin. That is, he's gone back to the womb of the great mother earth. So he crouches down among the animals, thinking that he can hide, but the Gala were hot on his trail, and they find him there. Now Gishtanana comes out of the house, and when she sees Dumuzi and the Gala, she begins to weep and tear at her hair and her clothing, because her brother's terrible dream is coming true. The first gala scratched Dumuzi on the cheek. The second gala pierced his other cheek. The third gala knocked Dumuzi's cup down from the peg. And all of these images are, of course, images of his life, of his being present in life. The fourth gala break the bottom of his churn. The fifth gala break his shepherd crook in two. The sixth gala smash his cup. The seventh gala then says, Rise, Dumuzi, husband of Anana, son of Sitar, brother of Gishtanana. Your days here are finished. The race is over. Take off your holy crown, remove your robe, the robe of kingship, and let your scepter fall. Accept your fate. You are coming with us. So Dumuzi is stripped of the symbols of his authority and earthly power, just as Anana was. Geshtanana's goats dragged their beards in the dust, just as was prophesied by the dream. There was no sound but that of the wind and Geshtanana's weeping. Dumuzi was gone. Now a lament went up, all across the land. 
Word of King Demuzi's fate spread from city to city and from town to town, and all of the people grieved for their king. And it wasn't just the people who mourned. It was also the goddess Anana. Anana was distraught at the loss of her husband. She missed him terribly and wept bitterly. Gone is my husband, she cried. Gone is my sweet love, my honey man, my beloved. The wild bull is no more. Now just note that she's referring to her husband as the wild bull and Arishkagel, her sister's husband, who had died, was also the wild bull. The wild bull is no more, she said. He's been taken away before I could even wrap him in a proper shroud. And I can no longer take care of him. I can no longer serve him food and drink. I can no longer lie down beside him. Sutor, Demuzi's mother, was also completely distraught. She went to the steppes, to the grasslands, where her son used to wander around, playing his reed pipe and tending his flocks. Oh, my son, she said, how I would love to hear your voice, how I long to hear your songs. Now there is only wind in the reeds. Sitar, his mother, went weeping to the sheepfold, to the place where Demuzi had been captured by the gala, and she looked at the slain wild bull, at Demuzi's body, and she stroked his face. My son, she said, the face is yours, but the spirit is gone. Now the goddess Anana met the sister, Gishtanana, in the streets of Uruk. The sister was crying out in grief. Where is my brother, she cried. I would comfort him. Where is Demuzi? I would go to him. I would share his fate. My brother, the day that dawns for you will also dawn for me. And you remember Demuzi's dream with the two reeds. Anana was very moved by Gishtanana's deep feelings for her brother. She wrapped her arms around the sister and said, Gishtanana, your brother is dead. His house is no more. You have lost your beloved brother, and I have lost my husband, and I would take you to him if I could, but I do not know the place. Then a fly appeared, and it buzzed around the two women standing there in the street, and then it flew close to Anana's ear and said, What will you give me if I tell you where you can find Demuzi? And Anana said, Fly, if you will tell me where to find Demuzi, I will let you buzz around the beer halls and taverns. I will let you frequent the temples, and you will hear the words of all the wise ones. The fly told Anana and Gishtanana to go back to Aureli on the edge of the steppe, to the place where Demuzi had first hid from the gala. The two women went there, and there they found Demuzi weeping. Anana took her husband by the hand. She said, You have been chosen for the underworld, but you will only go for half of the year. Gishtanana will go for the other half, 
as she has pledged to share your fate. On the day that you are called, you will be taken, and on the day that she is called, you will be set free. Then Anana placed Amuzi into the hands of the Eternal. And as the hymn ends, praise be to holy Arishkaga, through whom everything is realized. So Demuzi has to spend time in the underworld, but only half of the year. His fate is going to be shared by his sister, Gishtanana. And the whole story ends with a praise song to Arishkaga of all people. So let's take a look at this here. First of all, Arishkaga, as the queen of the underworld, is the queen of the unconscious. So an important relationship was established when Anana, the goddess of love and light and fertility, went to go and visit her sister Arishkaga. Is it's not just that she was the dark and dry and kind of lifeless aspect of Anana. That's the significance of their being sisters. They're aspects of each other. But the sister is also the repressed, the unconscious. And that is the source, actually, of our vitality. So now that that channel has been open, it has to be maintained. And that is the reason that Anana has to make a sacrifice. Somebody has to keep going up and down and up and down. And it is a sacrifice for Anana to send Muzi. He is her husband, after all. And he, by virtue of his unique position and relationship to her, is the only one with sufficient value. He is the masculine to her feminine. So, he is really the only one who can be the equivalent. Well, so then you may be asking yourself, all right, well, so then why is the sister involved? Well, this is where we remember that Anana is a goddess. She is an immortal principle. And Demuzi is a man. And his sister, Gishtanana, is a mortal woman. We have the need for a feminine to Demuzi's masculine, but it's not going to be Anana. We've got the brother and the sister who are taking turns so that there is this ongoing commerce and relationship between the masculine and the feminine and the way that they work in partnership to keep this channel between the conscious and the unconscious open. Demuzi as king, he represents much more than just himself. I mean, mythologically, kings of countries and their health and quality of their soul reflect the health and quality, soulful quality of their kingdom and the people there too. You might be familiar with the story of the Fisher King and the Wasteland and Percival. And in that story, you have a king who's been wounded And his wound reflects a woundedness in his kingdom that can only be healed when he is healed. So there's something very similar going on here. In this myth of Anana, 
we hear that she turns her ear to the ground. And this is very similar to the Christian mythologies where Eve listens to the serpent in the Garden of Eden. This serpent, like Arishkagal, is the ancient phonic powers of the earth and also of the unconscious in the human being. And the result in both of these stories is an expansion in consciousness. But that always comes at a price. There is no maturation, there's no soul making or spiritual development without loss. And one of the things that I love about this story is that even the goddess Inanna, at the very beginning, when she decides to go and visit her sister, seems to think that she is just going to breeze through it. She seems, she puts on her jewelry, she collects her may, you know, her powers, and tells herself she's going to go down there and comfort her poor, sad sister in the underworld. Instead, she gets real transformation. And it is a transformation of the sister, Arishkagal, as well. Because empathy comes into her throne room, a sense of relatedness. And Arishkagal responds to it and lets the creatures take Inanna off the hook. Well, Demuzi has to undergo the same kind of transformation. And you can see that he suddenly becomes aware of his vulnerability as soon as the Gala come after him. All of a sudden, it's like, oh my God, I am not impervious sitting up here on my throne. And his transformation begins then. But he was definitely not going to go to the underworld or experience this of his own accord. I mean, we just don't willingly sign up for that kind of change. It happens because it catches us. Anana had been completed. She went down there. She was stripped. She was hung on the hook. And so she has integrated some of her darker aspects, came up able to fasten the eye of death on somebody. And now Demuzi has to be seasoned as well. And there are various parallels to their journeys. As I've already noted, he's stripped of his powers like his wife is. And his sister, Gishtanana, can be seen as his ninshaber, the woman who mourns for him, who is dedicated to his survival, and who ultimately facilitates his return. Now, the friend betrays him for material gain, and that seems completely despicable. But earlier in the story, Demuzi made a similar kind of a choice. He decided that his power, his throne, was more important than his ties to his wife. The friend, in some ways, is merely the man Demuzi before his recognition of his vulnerability and his interrelatedness. You can't be wise without compassion. Everything I'm saying here is true, whether or not you read this story as a metaphorical description of the relationship between your inner feminine and masculine or the relationship between the feminine and masculine in the outer world. Now, in these times, we tend to look at all life stories and events from a psychological angle. What does it mean for our development? But so I want to shift gears here for just a minute and talk about this myth from another angle. This is a very common mythological motif of the consort, that is the husband or the lover, of the great goddess 
who dies and is reborn with the annual change of the seasons. This myth of the descent of Inanna and then ultimately the dream and descent of Dumuzi can also be read as a description of the events of the natural world. Just like a seed planted in the ground of Mother Earth that incubates and sprouts and flowers and dies is a metaphor for our psychological development that describes what happens in the outer material world. Now, I realize that this is probably very obvious. And many studies of mythology, in particular earlier studies from the 1800s or so, revolve around the connection between myths and earlier attempts to describe the workings of the natural world. I'm drawing your attention to this because usually those kinds of studies conclude that mythology is a less sophisticated and less reliable description of the natural world. But mythology is a different way of looking at the natural world. And the truth that a story like Anana and Demuzi's contains about just how profound and miraculous this world is that we live in. And the knowledge that we've acquired over the centuries, the scientific information that we so often want to set up in contrast to our myths, can in fact lead us deeper into the metaphorical truth that the myths contain. The reverence that is contained in this story for this annual cycle is not in contrast to or in conflict with the science that we have. The more we understand about our world, the deeper we can go into it, and the more these myths can help us connect to that feeling of reverence. You don't have to believe in Anana and the shepherd Demuzi to understand the truth that this story contains. That's it for me, Catherine Savela, and Myth in the Mojave for this week. If you have questions about today's program or mythology in general, you can contact me through Myth in the Mojave on Facebook. Please tune in next week. And in the meantime, happy myth-making and keep the mystery in your life.